What's up, everyone? Hope you enjoyed week one. Welcome back to the Mayo Media Network and the Mix here at Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets with your host, John Legaza at John Legaza on the Bird app. Check me out any time of day, any day of the week. It's the big dude with the big mouth from the Big Apple. Big Johnny Stud is back to cover the showdown game tonight. How great is it to have football back? Oh my goodness, glued to the couch from 1 o'clock to 9 o'clock, <laughs> sweating every minute, and, you know, the results up and down. But I try not to get too tied to the outcomes because you really want to be focused more on the discipline. We're right at flat on the year for our plot plays. Thank goodness Rashad Bateman got it done all at once. Chase Edmond got the volume, but not the yards per carry. Alec Pierce dropped a touchdown in the end zone immediately and found himself on the bench. Usage was really at the four of a lot of people's problems yesterday do not get too hung up on week one especially with teams like the 49ers or the Bears in that terrible weather granted Lance didn't look as good as we may have wanted him to but neither did Fields and the Bears are not any good as soon as this show goes off the air I'm going to start watching every single snap from every single game if you didn't know that's kind of my thing Baseball, I do with the box scores and the spreadsheets. Football, I really think you have to watch with a notebook and keep an eye on the nuance and the context. In baseball, I think the answer is found in advanced statistics. Football, there are some, but not so much. It really is more of the story drawn up and how you interpret it and understand it. All right, enough of that. It's more of this. The fastest show in NFL absolutely anywhere with the one-man band, Thank you all. The interaction, the feedback, the straight-up numbers have been phenomenal. And if you'd like any more, you can follow me on Twitter, like I said. I also got the Patreon page going, but I'm not here to show for that. It's just for the true DGENs because we are doing all the cost-per-point analysis stuff on these games. You know, hat tip to Patty Mayo. Let me kind of introduce that to everybody. It really matters. We picked up on a bunch of line moves. The market actually surprised me last night. I already ran the week two lines, and I swung and missed on where I thought the lines would go. But that's okay, right? Because we're tracking it. We're kind of building a boat in the middle of the ocean a little bit. And to be honest, if we thought a price would go in one direction and it goes against us, but we didn't move in trading terms, you know, we want to begin to trail that. Meaning, allow that move to mature, you know, don't be married to it. And then if it starts to come back to earth, that's when we're going to smash it. So if you're into more of the theory stuff, you can always follow me. I live and breathe this and oh man, I just absolutely love it. Let's get into the football thing. Today, we've got the horses against the birds. It is the Broncos going to the Seahawks. There's some kind of narrative going on with a quarterback that I'm not sure anyone's heard about. I don't know. Apparently, Russell Wilson played for the Seahawks before. Listen, you're not coming to hang out with me for that, right? You want that, you go get that kind of anodyne, saccharine stuff. Anywhere else, right? That kind of cookie cutter stuff. That's not what we do. We're going to dive into the details. If you're unfamiliar to the show, welcome aboard. We're going to be breaking it down for Jock Market. Make sure you download that fantasy app after you rate, review, and subscribe to the Daily Podcast. And if I haven't earned it already, give us a cartoon finger on YouTube. But when you download the Jock Market app, use the promo code MMN. They're going to credit you that first 100 bucks match it on the first deposit. Man, I, you got to love it. $100 is more than enough money to get it done. If you haven't played, we're going to introduce you to the game. Maybe today you just kind of follow along. You play on paper in the showdown slate. I much prefer playing the main slate. And I'll tell you why. I very proudly lost. But guess what? You never really get killed. I, I did terribly, right? 
in DFS because a couple zeros, you get a zero altogether. Jack Morgan and Nuno dropped a couple percent. That's it. I dropped like 6 or 7%, which is not a big deal for the main slate, you know, because you can go up 60%, 70%. I love Jock Market, three or four great event signs, the traditional DFS because I had Saquon Barkley among a bad lineup, but because he did so well, he floated up the entire tide. Again, really context nuance being sharp. The reason why Jock Market rewards sharp plays because understanding how to lever yourself is really important. There are no free squares because any player that's popular is no longer cheap, right? There's a true price-finding mechanism. Again, nuance and context really at the center of all the work here. Thanks, Patty Mayo, for let me bring this stuff to everybody. I'm just not going to talk about Russell Wilson narratives. It's so ridiculous. All right, we're going to do the blue chips to start. Those are your top value. I mean, the top overall scores. I'm sorry. Let me start again. Blue chips, of course, the top scores overall as projected by Run The Sims. Make sure you're following them. They are excellent, giving us access to that stuff. Just incredible stuff. You really want to dig into it if you're into the deeper kind of DFS plays. They're really going to open your mind to the leverage and how to attack these things and all the dials you could play with. Just awesome stuff. But those players oftentimes come with very high prices. So then we're going to look at ownership projection. Then after that, we're really going to get into where I believe the money is made in what we're calling our penny stocks. Those are our top values. We're going to take projected points with salary and use that to do another cost per point analysis. Again, I'm always doing this kind of stuff. Why? Because I'm a cheapskate and I don't like to spend my money. All right, let's get into the blue chips. Everybody, again, it's the Broncos and the Seahawks. If you are an audio-only listener, you can jump over to YouTube and right swipe screenshot these images. I work kind of hard at putting them together. I have zero background in graphic design, but one of the wonderful producers here is my dude, Maddie, has helped me along the way, and now it looks like I actually know what I'm doing, so again, if you want to see these names and the point totals without me yammering, feel free to hop over to YouTube, do that, make sure you press the like button while you're over there, again, we don't want to spend too much time on the blue chip, guys, it's what you'd expect for the Broncos, it's Russell Wilson, Javonta Williams, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Brandon McManus, and Albert Now, of course, at the bottom, that's where it starts getting interesting. All six of those players are projected for at least 9.4 points. But remember, these are median outcomes. So you want to always be thinking, in particular, on a showdown slate, two things, right? Think of it as a conditional if-then. Again, what I believe separates us from the pack here at Mayo MediaNet. Top score, of course, matters. You have to know... Who can get the top score in a showdown? Who can rip the top off the defense? Who can break the slate? But the then part is, what are the underpinnings there? Cost plus ownership is everything in these tournaments, particularly showdown I'm speaking about. You can win, but you don't want to split with 600 people. That's not what we're after. So you got to try and be unique without being silly. So yes, Russell Wilson, Javonta Williams, Cortland Sutton, and Judy, I think, are the kind of guys that could rip the top off. But yes, McManus is Okabunum, not so much. But when we get into the cost analysis, we'll see if that put, shines the light in him. Over to the Seahawks, which I'm really not expecting much from. Funny, we can talk about pace maybe now. It does apply. The Seahawks actually move really fast, right? That's one of the things that I like to look for when we're looking at totals. Opportunities. Teams that crawl to the line really kill the pace. 
they were top eight in pace across the board, neutral, you name it, but dead last in drive length because they're so poor. It's poor quarterback play. As much as I like Penny, he doesn't really catch passes, so it's somewhat one-dimensional. I do like the wide receiver depth, but that's about it. We've seen Seattle stink at times with Russell Wilson. So Geno, it's a little hard to back them. Then on the other side, Denver is the opposite. They're, they move incredibly slow, but eat up tons of clock. Again, just... Total killers. So we really want to be looking again for guys that can pull the top off because I don't think this is going to be a shootout where lots of people eat. That could open the door in jock market to get paid on cheap players, which may open the door to Seahawks. So you see how we need application on top of projections in order to know which game we want to be playing. Combinations of Broncos are probably going to get you to the finish line in DFS. I don't know if I think that in jock market because too many Broncos are going to be expensive and if they don't all finish at the top because in jock market you can get paid being cheap and cheap alone on the main slate I just had guys highlighted below four bucks I had an entire portfolio worth of guys yeah they didn't hit like I said lost eight percent don't care we're gonna get that back and so man follow us up download the jock market app I cannot wait this season's gonna be excellent I could not care less about one week all right the Seahawks let's get into it the blue chippers it's Geno Smith the quarterback's always gonna be at the top Rashad Penny DK Metcalf Tyler Lockett all projected above 10 Jason and Myers, the kicker, and Noah Fant projected slightly below that between 8 and 10. Let's take a look really quick at the... Yes, okay. The quarterback at any time has a chance to be the top scorer. Strictly from a probabilistic standpoint, they handle the ball the most. Rashad Penny, I'm not so sure. The Seahawks are a a 6.5 point underdog, but to me it should be greater than that. And I mentioned Penny's lack of... I don't want to say pass-catching ability. They just don't really use him in that I don't think he's had more than 38 receiving yards or more than two or three catches in a single game. I wrote that up at The Athletic somewhere. Again, you can follow my work. I'm just everywhere. But I do really care, and I always try to bring value to the game. And there's so much cookie-cutter stuff that just that extra kind of level of thinking could separate us from the pack. And just having a little bit of edge, you're all really sharp. Just could be the difference between black and red ink. So I'm not sure I'm down with the penny projection because the Seahawks not expected to be a favorite. They could abandon the run and you could get smoked on that deal. I'm just down on Metcalf and Lockett, but it's going to be a price thing, especially in jock market. I won't be paying any type of premium for any type of Seahawks, but if the entire market feels the same way, then there is a pathway to it. We saw Geno throw an 80 yard touchdown to Metcalf last year, and then I think he didn't even crack 100. So case of Rasarad, it's what you get when you roll with the Hawks, and I also have to push back on Noah Fant. Until I see the usage, I'm not going to go there. We saw tight end, the preseason usage blow up in our face. I'm looking at you. Brevin Jordan, O.J. Howard scored two times. But I was wrong on Brevin Jordan, but I'm going to be pulling the cord on that, get away from him and somebody else. It's also why I was into premium tight ends. All right, so that should do it for the blue chip stock. Again, what you expect, but there probably are some avoids here. Again, I think the kicker on the Broncos probably stands out as the cheapest. But let's confirm our research here with the penny stocks again brought to you by jock market download that app love it love it love it it's just because it's not all or none and to that point i've been now treating the conventional dfs as all or none and playing in these winner take all tournaments i love love, love it they have one dollar tournaments against 100 you know winner take all is 100 bucks i think you play 110 people right they need their rake 
I was playing a $9 tournament against 112 people with a winner gets 1000 bucks. That's what I'm talking about. If I hang the winner on a $9 tournament, I want to come home with 1000 bucks, And then they move all the way up and down. That is where it's at. Just type in winner take all of DK. That's how I'm doing it. Again, there's a, plat- there's a place, a time, and a place for everything, regardless of the risk. Now, granted, I don't give out 10-team parlays. It's very hard to win on that because I believe sustainability has got to be a part of it. But... But, 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 like a big shaking butt, get the garden hose and the soapy water rap video, but you can play DFS and make profit. Like, again, I'm never really pushing up against the market. I know people do it. For me, I'd rather take the larger percentage of my portfolio and put it into jock market because it's being played around even, right? Take the larger share and look for percentage gains. Take the smaller share and look for the big hits. Again, I went home empty-handed in DFS yesterday. So what? That was baked into the price. I lost in jock market, but I did not go home empty-handed. I just lost a couple percentage points. Way less than I would gain on the good days because I had so many players again. You know, I overloaded on like guys, low guys that just didn't do anything. Alec Pierce got targeted twice in the end zone. So again, make sure we're keeping our nuance. Yeah, he stunk. We're not going to keep chasing him. But if he comes down with the first ball in the end zone, he probably doesn't get benched. And he has a monster game below two dollars, and that's how you make a lot of money in jock market. So focus on these. The penny stock part here, again, for the audio-only listeners, I'm going to walk you through it, but you really want to get over to YouTube and screenshot this bad boy because there's a lot of work put into it. Obviously, player position, opponent, and points, but the salary and then the cost per point I have up there, and that's really, I think, where we're going to butter our bread again in understanding the true application of value. You know, oftentimes the word value is used in these circles in this industry, but this is a true objective approach at it, right? So you can't really argue it because it's the proof is right here. The math is being done. I switched it up a little bit from last week. Rather than just a top overall, which didn't yield positional balance, I think it's important to see the quarterback. So we're going to do it. By position, again, two quarterbacks, four running backs, four wideouts, and a tight end, all the top values at the position. So it's Russell Wilson and Geno Smith, of course, the only two quarterbacks. But here, here's the understanding. Russell Wilson projected for just under 19 points at 11.8 thousand DK bucks. Geno Smith projected 14.3, 8.6 thousand bucks. Geno Smith is actually more expensive per point than Russell Wilson. Right off the bat, and it's not nothing. I know you see the nine dollars across six hundred, but think about that, right? That's it's a it's a bit. And then when you add in the calculus of Russell Wilson being the quarterback that's way more likely to take the top off, check that indicator box. Go over to the far right corner with ownership, and you'll see Geno Smith projected to be more owned than Russell Wilson. To me, it's because of the lack of understanding of value. I don't think people are people who see the lower cost and think, oh, cheaper cost is value. No, cheaper cost is not value when we have such quality projections like we do at Run the Sim. So again, you have to continue to do the calculus, continue to peel the layers off the onion. Russell Wilson, $593 per point. Geno Smith, almost $602 per point. Now, those are both extremely high when you look at the entire board. We're generally looking around 300 or less. Of course, it's going to be sl- um, slate dependent, especially with a single game. Let's continue on. We have the lowest cost per point of the season by like an order of magnitude. 
And again, I am filtering this at least to the point of making sure every player projects for at least four points. Rugga Sims does an excellent job of covering every single player, but then that could be wonky, right? If a player is at the min salary and even projected for a single point, that would throw off the analysis. We don't want that. We need players that are at least going to be viable. Again, in showdown, you only have a handful of players to choose from. So uh, that's the one bit of preface here is all these players are projected for at least four points they're the viable players okay so it probably goes without saying but just to be clear how this work is being done dj dallas being projected for just under five points at four hundred dollars we have never seen anybody projected that was viable at cost per point below i believe 205 really 300 is good mid twos is really cheap and below 100 is just ridiculous so i think you have to keep that in mind and it's based off the fact like I mentioned before, Penny's lack of usage in the past game. See, now, I'm really disagreeing. I know this is based on past usage. We haven't seen it, and I've also been wrong again in week one. So feel free to push up against me. I understand the very strong counter-argument against myself being the other people on the other side are smarter than I am. But if you're watching closely the usage through the preseason, again, I know it's got me in trouble, but it's not always wrong. I believe Travis Homer is the pass catching back. Let's fast forward to him. Five and a half point projection, 1.4 thousand salary, $255 course of point. So there's that already established standard of a good value, but I believe the projection is way off. Like, if Homer fully supplants Dallas, then it's double the points at the same price at a 3% ownership where Dallas is projected for 22. See, so the market now, this is where every second, this is why I would do this by position, because it's much easier to understand the market's perception of it, because that's how people build. So people have seen the market sees the Dallas cost and price it's so wonky they've picked up on the cost per point, even if not to the detail we have. But it's reflected in the ownership. Given my assumption about Homer's usage, his own cost per point projection, which is excellent, but the ownership now, right? So I often talk about this in my baseball work. Let the statistics speak to you. This is why I use the columns like I do. Again, audio-only people, go over and grab this because you really want to see it all, Right? Dallas projected 22, Homer projected at 3, Penny at 30, Javonta Williams 56. Penny's cost per point 565, Javonta Williams 625. So think about that. Because you could play multiple positions, Javonta Williams way more expensive than Geno Smith. Projections not too far off, cost per point pretty close. Heavier on Williams, yes, he has the ability to pop the top, I understood. But he also has the ability to lose the goal line carries. Right? We saw DeAndre Swift have an awesome game, but it gets capped because Jamal Williams scores twice. So please keep that in mind. It doesn't make Williams a non-star or anything, but it is definitely part of the calculus when we're doing this core stuff. And for me, the 56% ownership is almost like, ugh, you almost got to get away from it because I don't feel that in love with it. In fact, if we think Denver might blow them out, maybe it's more Gordon than anything. He's not on here. But then again, it doesn't make it viable because there's only so many spaces. So there's my look at the running back board. Now I think we'll fly through the rest. I don't want these shows to go too long, but I really thought the quarterback and running back positions often a very unique chance for me to do the professorial thing, right? I don't mean to be lecturing people, 
but I really think this stuff's important. And you don't get it anywhere else. Everybody's doing the same stuff. It's really important that the football work stands out. And if you do agree, like I think that might have earned the cartoon finger. Stick your cartoon thumb inside us at the Mayo Media Net. Get up in the comments. I do my best to answer everybody. And if you really want to say thanks, the number one cherry on the top big sticker you could put on my big old nose here is the five-star review. Okay, then for wide receivers, again, here's an application that maybe I'm not into. It's Eskridge. $1,000 salary, four-net point projection. There's the 238. But 238, wouldn't you rather have Homer with the ability to pop it off? Because I don't really believe in the Seattle pass game. And if they do get it going, that's probably not to Eskridge. Hamler and Judy. Hamler with seven and a half points, 4.4 thousand. But that's a 600 cost per point. So you don't really want to get with that. You could find that at similar prices. Judy up at 650, one of the higher. And then it climbs in there. Lock it up at 680. 80, both Judy and Lockett projected above 33%. I don't think I would chase Lockett because of the cost and the ownership. And then the value tight end sticking out would be Albert O, 9.5 points, 5,530 cost per point, 22% ownership. So right there, that's just kind of meh across the board. I think the attractive thing would be the cost. So if you end up with 5,000 and you're looking for 10 points, you I don't know if you could do any better than that, right? You could go with Hamler 4.4, but with the projected points being lower, the cost per point is much higher, right? So there's, again, a little bit of the application. I I don't know where the Albert O usage is going to be. So that's where the ownership really kind of bothers me a bit, especially if it starts to climb because he's been a trendy name in the offseason. So that's a bit of the penny stock thing and players will be looking for across the board, circling Travis Homer in jock market. Absolutely. Also DJ Dallas, although he's the kind of player, again, that could find himself at an equivalent pricing, right? Remember, stagnant pricing DFS, which is why it's easier, you know, not say he's dumber, but it's easier because the prices don't move. So you can truly lock in on the puzzle piece. Jock market rewards sharp play. No matter what analysis we do, we're going to have to go play the game. right? The market is going to truly determine it. And that's why, again, jock market, three or four greater than signs. One of the greater than signs is its ability to be a true price-finding mechanism and then reward those people into the low demand. Which, again, it should be the case, but it's not in DFS just because of the way the rules work. But keep Travis, um, I'm looking at Homer for for sure, right? Albert O also, if he's gets a discretion treatment from the market. All right, I do have a prop play for you as good as Thursday night went. I'd say Sunday went the opposite. Again, just quick recap because I think it's very important to be accountable. And if you want all the football stuff, again, I do have my own page. I'm not here to show my own stuff. That's not what this is. 3-0 on Thursday night, again, circling opportunity. That, I believe, is how you take advantage of the prop market. I thought we did just that, and it kind of blew up in our face. So Bateman was the one hit. Then it was Justin Fields rushing yards. I mean, listen, he had the attempts. The weather was bad. They were underdogs. You really told me that they won, and he didn't rush over 35 yards in the rain. I don't think I would have believed you. But somehow it did happen. Yikes, we just fell short. We really should have had that one, but if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a wonderful effing Christmas. I didn't yesterday, but again, again process is really at the center. I, I thought that was a good cap. We probably should have got that. We just didn't. 
After that was Chase Edmonds. So he was projected for nine rushes. Again, I think the process is more important than anything, which is why the recap, again, is so important. It's not to make excuses. It's to understand if we're making mistakes or if these things are viable. So Chase Edmonds, the lead back for Miami, again, they were favored and they were ahead. He was projected nine rushes for mid-40s, maybe 44 yards. We were looking for, I think, 37 or 38 so we, the projections were on our side. My projections were for a dozen rushes. So I, my assumption was, provided we had three yards per carry, we were going over. Well, I got the dozen rushes, which even felt short considering the uh, script of the game, excuse me, you know, the, the score. But we didn't get there. It just was highly ineffective. So though the process of usage was correct, we're not going to be chasing usage in the Dolphin run game, right? So again, the L is for the player, and we're going to pull the eject button on that. But I think we was worth the cost of admission because we did get the opportunities. We just didn't get it done. And again, we were you know just a couple of yards shy, and that's how props are played. So loss on Edmonds as well. And the last one was Pierce, who I, we had pegged as the second wideout. He began the game, got the first end zone target these are all really good things the things we were looking for but it was the worst drop imaginable and you have to consider I'm not saying dropping him off your fantasy team but he's got to find a bench because they benched him after that so until you see usage you have to get off the Alex Pierce train and that's where the loss was so we put ourselves in a strong situation he didn't come through and then their reaction pulled the carpet on us so one and three to match the three for three, so we're really kind of dead even, although a touchdown on units marginally because of juice. Although that's why I try not to go above minus 125 on player props because, again, if you, you really need to play above 500, and that's what you want to do. That's why I always try and play underdogs. Those did not do so well, but oh, the Giants won. If the Falcons pull that one off, if the Saints miss that kick, we have a, a good betting weekend. They didn't, and we didn't. But again, you see how if you're following along all that stuff, I map it out in Patreon. Again, even if you don't follow me, the strategies are what matters. And that's why people follow my work, win or lose, because that's the stuff we're learning, right? So I'm physically showing you how to build these tickets properly, when to use round robins. And that's why we're tracking the lines and everything. Because even if it's it's not to determine who to bet on so much as if you've determined you like the game, there are certain situations where you must know that it's money line over the spread. So that will do it, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the showdown show. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the audio-only pod, except I forgot to give you a prop play. So before I turn off the light, how about I finish my job so I don't get fired in a few minutes? <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not like that at all. This is like the coolest place you could ever work with. If anything, I'm, I'm the circus character, obviously. All right, let's do our prop play and... Because we're even, this one is going to get us into the black on the week. And it's at plus money, which I absolutely love. We're looking for Court and Sutton over four and a half receptions at plus 105. No injury designation. So number one, really like that. I did speak about the pace. So I do want to be careful building a tremendous ticket here. I think that was important. I'd rather take my shot at the one piece of even money. I had my eye on a couple other ones. We'll talk about it in a second. But I don't want to go hot with him because it's really important to me that we're just making money. And if we lose, that we're mitigating damage. That, to me, is why I've been able to stay in the arena as a professional handicapper 
for so long, in particular, betting baseball every single day. Right? If you don't have a plan betting baseball, it's very difficult to do it every day for six months, for five years in a row, especially out in public, you know, without being shamed into oblivion. So give me something. We know Russ is now with the Broncos. You know, we don't, we don't want to really stress that too much. But I did think there was a pretty good, good archetype kind of layover from last year when you look at Metcalf and Lockett as compared to Sutton and Judy. So I think Sutton probably comps to Metcalf pretty well as far as playbook designations go. So Metcalf went over five receptions nine times last year, which is really good. But the thing we really want to be looking at again is usage underpinning statistics. And it's all about Russell is like hyper-focused on the outside. I think that's the big thing that we should be looking for. And that's where Sutton's going to be playing. So take a look at last year to the to the outside, Lockett and Metcalf, to the, to the two wides. Minimums, 73 receptions, 107 targets, 1560 air yards, minimum to each of those guys. And then my own triple slash, right, where we use target percentage, air percentage, and a dot, 24% target, 37% air, 11.2 A dot minimums. These are minimums for Russell Wilson's X and Y's. And in particular, Sutton is always on the outside where Russell is hyper-focused. Again, Seattle had good numbers against the pass on paper, but it's because they're always losing and because of their pace, they kind of squash overs. We're not looking for a ton. We just need some volume. Wide receivers went over four and a half receptions 17 times last season. So it's not like they were holding that down to a minimum. It's happening at least an average of what's a game. And Sutton went over four and a half receptions himself last year in five of the first seven, you know, really before they lost Bridgewater and went to lock, and then everything just went to hell in a handbasket. So give us something that we were actually remembered to handicap. That would have been an absolute shame, man. <laughs> it's terrible. But give me something over four and a half wrecks at plus 105. Love the opportunity. Love the spot. And I believe, being a heavy favorite, those receptions are going to help us get there. And if somehow the game is close or we fall behind, the volume will be there. So I I think it's going to revolve around Sutton when we look at Russell Wilson's just, you know, love for the outside. So this number, I think, is way low. If you're a ladder builder, this is one of those also. If you do get the Russell the muscle narrative game that I've been dying not to talk about, there's a chance something pulls the, you know, 11 for 165 and two. Like, that's that's in there, right? We've seen him have the monster season. We could see them just rub it in. I'm going to put one of those up on Patreon. It is free right now. That's why I don't, I, the only reason I'm mentioning it is because it's free. I'm, I'm not trying to show for this stuff, but I, people just can't get enough football and they love the work. And I think, again, this is the pathway to get... Th- into the black, right? Making profit or low damage instead of these all or none outcomes, more nuns than alls. All right, and that will do it for the second time around. We, you know, it's so nice. Why not do it twice, baby? Thanks for picking up what we're putting down here at the Mayo Media Net. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the audio only pod, but not until you've downloaded the Jock 
market app. We're going to be throwing our weight around again. Look for Travis Homer. Look for DJ Dallas. Look for pricing on Albert O. I'm not sure there's a clear-cut 1A like Allen's. I'm not sure there's a player that you're just saying you chase at any cost. You may even want to short a player like Javante Williams if Denver goes up early because that could be the end of the day for his usage and again one more feather in the cap hopefully that we leave you with all those lessons and that will do it again so we'll catch you on the flip side enjoy the game enjoy your day and when you're done with the book enjoy that pay baby remember when you work this hard it feels a lot less like luck man see you in the jock market street show peace <laughs>